0: Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett.
1: And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry.
0: We've both worked in ministry for over 20 years and have seen just about everything.
1: And as damaged as we are, we are ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every ministry leader has. Have you noticed, I wonder if anybody notices that I have missed the dive into part on our intro for like the last three or four weeks. It's like I doubt anybody notices because I think they just tune us out for the beginning.
0: You're such a good Catholic, though. I mean, so much, <laughs> so much scrupulosity. It's just so much so, guilt, so, so much guilt,
1: so much scrupulosity. It's
0: wonderful. <laughs> so, um, well, hey, uh, I did the show prep for today. Matt has no idea what we're talking about. And I wanted it to come fresh to him. So
1: I am um, up for the challenge. Let's see what I can do. Up for the challenge. So uh, what, what, what
0: I've been doing is I've been fascinated over the last couple of months about what it's all going to look like when we get to the new normal with this uh, post-pandemic type of reality. And uh, uh-huh. uh, a, a Christian author, Tom Rahner, who uh, works with Church Answers, uh, he, he wrote a book. And so the book is called okay. the Post Quarantine Church.
1: Is that Rainer Rain, Roner? Because Rain. when you say Roner, I think of uh, the theologian Carl Roner. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And I think R A H N E R. So Rainer, 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 R A I N E R.
0: Tom with an H S Rainer.
1: <laughs> Tom, it's Thom. Thom Rainer. <laughs> we're sorry.
0: We're gonna get. Hey. we're gonna get somewhere. I promise. We are <laughs> going to get somewhere. So.
1: This is that. Well, if people are like Googling it, you want to make sure that like they type in the right thing. T H O M. Oh my gosh!
0: Just join us on the YouTube channel, <laughs> and you can see me holding up the book. Okay, so the post quarantine church, and uh, here's 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 a section at the very end, and I just want to go through and Hold explain it. Where'd of you pieces. find the
1: book? Where'd you find the book? Amazon. No, no. Like, did someone introduce you to it, or were you searching it?
0: Uh, yes. Someone introduced it to me.
1: Okay. So I just, I just didn't know how random the connection was or if you found it on your own or, or what.
0: Michael Marchand from Project YM knew that I was interested with this topic. And he noticed oh. that someone was publishing a book. So he let me know about a month before this book was available. And then I got it and I pre-ordered a book on the post-quarantine church. nice how nerd is that so there's (laughs) this all right let's go there's a section at the end where it gets very practical and i just wanted to run each of these by you because as ministry leaders we need to be thinking about what life looks like post-quarantine post-pandemic new normal whatever it is you want to call it but it says nine key changes we're going to try and get to as many that are relevant as possible are you ready let's go the first key change is that simplicity will be vitally important Right now, I don't think a lot of people are competing over rooms at the parish in order to get calendared in and scheduled in and different things like that. And so the busyness that pre-quarantine normal used to have is no longer, which means that the the things that we do, the fewer things that we do, they have to be highly concentrated and
1: in line with our mission, right? So when he says simplicity is vitally important, does he mean for the church or for individuals? For the church, okay. I want to learn more about this. You know, is that in like just the way that we organize? I organize the way we do things, the way we look at things, because like the church has a lot of bureaucracy and red tape, and you're not allowed to reserve this space because of this, 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 and that. Or is that what you're talking about? All of it,
0: right? And so now, yeah. now when we're looking at it, no one's reserving space. Because yeah. we all have to be six feet apart and certain classrooms or certain rooms at the parish don't even function for a group more groups more than five people any longer. Yeah. Because yeah. the rooms simply aren't big enough to make that a reality. And so so ministry leaders during this time got to slow down. Yep. Hopefully. I mean, unless you were in charge of the digital stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then you got to then put up things on, amped up a little a, bit. Amped up yep. a little
0: bit. But but many ministry leaders got to slow down and simplify and some of the other tasks that you were doing, right? So like, believe it or not, accountants got to slow down a little bit because they didn't have to process as many checks because you weren't gathering so people weren't putting checks in the collection basket. And granted, it stunk because that meant fewer dollars coming in. But there's certain things and so with that simplicity, with that slowing down, my hope is that we were able to say, okay, what is actually essential? What is really important? And how do we how do we how do we keep that simplicity moving into the post quarantine church?
1: Sure, I mean, I, like just looking at my family, my wife and I were just talking about this, you know, yesterday. Is you know, we like gymnastics started back up, you know, for one of our kids, but gymnastics, like the the gym that my girls were going to, did not start back up. Um, and then for my son's birthday, we we gifted him or whatever karate classes, you know, and so we started that up for him. Um, but my girls still aren't doing anything. And so my wife was like, well, what are we going to do for them? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, like, I feel like we're, we're, we're already putting everything back on the plate that we had already taken off the plate. And I find that like, that was something that we were excited about, like in the midst of quarantine was, Hey, we just got everything off our plate. We may not have to have it all back on our plate when we come back. And here we are putting it all back on. But I think that, that, idea of simplicity is key is actually going to like being, keeping mindful of that. Okay. Like it was simple, like during quarantine, let's keep it simple. And so the same thing goes for parishes. Like as, as parishes start to put things back on their plate or as things get put back on their plate, keep it freaking simple. It doesn't have to be as complex or complicated or as full as it was before.
0: And a busy church does not necessarily mean that it's a fruitful church. Yeah. And so yeah. what about Vacation Bible School as an example? Do we have to have it be five days? Is that even possible? Is that, according to possible post-COVID things, a danger to do a five-day? So then do we not do anything at all? Or do maybe we maybe look at a couple of afternoons one week? Or we rotate, and we, yeah. you, you know, so there's all these different ways. And I know that all of a sudden I mentioned rotations and things like that. But maybe a one-day VBS is something that that's considered, even though it seems way more simple, And then you have one day to share the essential piece of the gospel message to those youth and their families during that vacation
1: Bible school. And I'm I'm like, I'm in the midst of other books, you know, as far as simplicity goes that are like dealing with poverty and different things like that. Um, And even the way the church operates, like, does, does the church have to do it? Like, isn't it more simple for families to do it? You know, isn't it more simple for that to be done at the family level? Um and yeah, and instead of it being this organized whole big organized ordeal, um, can it just be something done like locally, like that whole principle of subsidiarity and letting the smallest denomination or whatever
0: take care of it? And that's a beautiful reality that the church needs to think about as well because camps were canceled, it's sports were canceled. How do we, as people slowly put things back on their plates? make sure that we are still fostering that at home dynamic that kind of bloomed. Like the quarantine was hard, but at the same time it was some really good family time as well, you know? Yep. And so yep. to think about that. Okay. You're ready for number two. Right, next. Number Let's two, go. only outwardly focused churches will survive. And I'm going to translate mm-hmm. that to only outwardly focused parishes will survive. And I say that in a real serious way that not just you, But your neighboring parish needs to be outwardly focused as well. Because if your neighboring parish fails, guess who's going to get combined? Your parish and their parish. So we as a church need to be outwardly focused because if one of our brothers to our left or to our right, one of our sister parishes falls, then we absorb that. We've seen these clusters take place in the Midwest and in different areas where the church is in decline. And so it talks about only outwardly focused uh, churches will survive.
1: So, like, is that like I would like to push back a little bit? Are we like? I I think that probably goes for macro as well as micro. Um, So the the um, the micro would be your parish, you know, your parish, and and only your parish will survive if it's outwardly focused. And I think that that honestly, (laughs) like, is universal. Um, And that's where that's what we were looking at is uh, like even before the pandemic, we were looking at churches dissolving and becoming nothing and not not having any relevance in the world because they were just focused on themselves. Right. Um and and that's something that Pope Francis has called us as as a church is to stop focusing on ourselves and and be outwardly focused. And I think that as a like macro level like your like the diocese is not quite as macro as I'm thinking. I'm thinking even like the Catholic church as a whole. If we aren't outwardly focused as a church, we will not survive. Like that and we shouldn't. <laughs> Because that's not why we were formed. That's not why we exist. Is to to focus on ourselves. We exist to be sacrament in the world as a sign to like the the reality, you know, of of God's love for everyone. And you can't love just the people that are in your in your house. And that sacramental vision, that sacramental worldview,
0: has to a degree been lost. But it's one of the most attractive pieces of like we don't come to gather and just say, "Yay, we're gathering." Right. Which a lot of churches can be seen as um, glorified country clubs. Right. Uh, You don't sit there. That's my pew. Remember that? You know what I mean? And it's like, well, oh, yeah. Now there's every other pew. So who gets to share the the, uh, every other pew or whatever with the quarantine? And uh, and that country club mentality has led to people being excluded instead of included. Well, those people that are out on the peripheries, those people that aren't coming to your community, your parish on a regular basis, Most of them are going to be uh, Generation X, Millennials, or Gen Z. And every single one of those generations values being change makers. They push up and push back against hypocrisy. And this is why you can see some of the things that have happened uh, surrounding race and uh, activism in those pieces is because they want to be difference makers. We know inherently that we are difference makers. And so that outreach is modeling that we are seeking to make a difference in the very communities where we exist And that will be attractive to those who
1: are not in. A a good question that I think that parish councils, you know, ministry leaders should ask themselves about their church is, if my church ceased to exist in this area, how would that impact the poor? How would that impact the people in my community? If our church ceased to exist other than just another place to worship on Sunday, what what would the difference be? And I'm not at all trying to dismiss the impact that the Eucharist has, um, even just being present. Um, I'm talking about like like on the ground doing things in, in service. Um, what kind of impact is your church having on the world around it?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And if if you, you if you can't have clear answers to where like us leaving would negatively impact the poor because we positively impact the poor by us being here, not. We have ideas to positively impact the poor
1: or or we give money
0: or we give money. But we it's got to yeah. be more than that. It's got it's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the key part is in our area, because I think if you're a church in a certain area and all your money's going to a mission in Haiti, I think that's I think that's a good thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: But we need to bloom where we're planted as well, and that's why outwardly focused churches need to be outwardly focused within the 5-mile radius of where the church is, where the mm-hmm. church physically is. Yeah. And 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 he makes this point through the book, throughout the book. That neighborhood churches are what people desire or what people need right now. These mega churches are going to struggle where they have people driving in from four hours away to come worship in a big stadium or arena or humongous church and things like that. And so smaller parishes are actually more adequately set up to be successful in the post-quarantine yeah. church.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that question, how are we impacting the lives of the people that live within five miles of our church? Boom. Sit with that. Even like, like attendance, like how many people within five miles of your church actually attend your church? Right. Like that's like, like, that's just like, even if you start at that bar, but that's like, I would say the lowest bar. That's not even like the goal. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. But let's lean into that because the next one is number three is worship services will be smaller. Worship service gatherings will be smaller. Yep. And the the presence of growth in neighborhood churches will play a major role in this because that's smaller. If it's the people within your five mile radius, then that smaller is actually okay because you go to the same schools, you're in the same soccer clubs, you you know all these things you're sharing life together, and that fosters deeper intimacy and community. Fosters discipleship. You can build disciples. Uh, you can you can build community without disciples, but you cannot build disciples without community. Amen. And some of these bigger groups. It makes it hard. And so actually it's a, it's a competitive advantage or a positive that worship service gatherings will be smaller.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I, I'm still thinking about the, the five mile radius because the way that the Catholic church is structured is, is parishes, is not the church physical building itself. A parish is a defined geographic area that that church or whatever it is, whatever you want to call it, um, serves.
0: It's the mission territory of that parish. Correct. It's it, it's, a, it's an area. So there's parish boundaries. It's like a county.
1: And so us saying the five-mile radius may not fit that because there may be a church, like another parish within five miles of the radius, you know?
0: Well, maybe territorialism is a 2.5. Territorialism will be dead. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Because like I said, if that other parish fails, guess what? That's going to be your new parish boundary because you're going to be combined, or that's going to be a mission parish, and you're going to be the main parish. Yeah. And so just... Just love people who they're close to you, yeah. regardless of, uh, of where your parish boundary, if it's like, ah, they're on the other side of the tracks and that's not in our parish boundary. So uh, unclean, unclean, like, <laughs> you know, like, no, yeah. if they show yeah. up, love them and uh, you can show up to them as well, because believe it or not, those who are not going to your church within your parish boundary are actually an amazing blessing because those who are going into your church need to be mobilized for mission. And that is the mission field. They are the destination. If we don't have a destination, then we can't be sent forth. And we are sent forth. There's the sending right in mass. We are literally sent forth. Sent forth to what? Sent forth to where? Do people even know? And that is the thing. We need to get our people who are showing up in smaller numbers, mobilized for mission, and out to the people that live next door to them with a sense of missionary uh, mentality.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: All right, All right, that's, that's, that's my go. first soapbox of the day. We'll see how many soapboxes I get on. So um, the next is multi. will multiply.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, let's so, go like what?
0: <laughs> for some churches, as noted above, that simply means holding multiple services on Sunday morning. Why? Because worship service gatherings will be smaller. And so maybe in order to accommodate your community, you're having multiple worship gatherings, Right. However, okay,
1: so like from, from the Catholic perspective, duh, like we already do that, like we aren't we aren't like you know what I mean. So we we already we've been doing that for quite a while. Keep going.
0: Well, <laughs> let me tell you, multi could go into multiple days. One third of Americans work on Sundays. One third, and so mm-hmm. what does it look like beyond Sundays? Yes, there's the five o'clock uh, Saturday evening and things like that. But what if? There were services or opportunities for community-building, community-centered gathering and worship, typically Mass, but it could be other things um, uh, that, that take place beyond Sunday, alternative times. And maybe yeah. some of those things could be an on-ramp that would ultimately draw them into a Sunday service or a, com- a, a community that exists through the Mass or the liturgy for the Catholic Church.
1: Yeah, and, and this is where I think... Um... As Catholics we can. I don't want to say we need to get a little more creative um, because it's not that creative. People are already doing it and we we are already doing it. But um, we have this myopic view that like and it's not myopic. It's like it, it's it's based on like what we believe, like the Eucharist is the source and summit. So if we're going to worship God, let's let's worship him in that way and let's not worship in any other way. And I think that's a problem, you know. Is like there there are various ways that we can worship God. Why are we just doing it one way? Um, it's because it's the best. Yes, I get it, um, but that's not the only way, right? I think that what we often do
0: is we tell people to evangelize by inviting them to mass. Then they come to mass, which is like the 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 primo of the wedding feast, the the nicest part of the banquet, right? But they don't know how to chew. They don't have teeth yet, spiritual teeth yet, you know. But the other thing that that does is it says, well, I brought them to Mass, and so Father's homily is the thing that should evangelize them. It's yeah. like, no, yeah. you're called to evangelize yeah. them. Do not invite people to Mass mm-hmm. if you haven't invited them into your domestic church at yeah. home. I believe yeah. Yeah. that more people will fill RCIA if people are neighborly and cook brats and serve beer than if they just invited people to Mass. There's going to be a lot of Catholics that will come back home with a mass invitation. But
1: to go with that, like the whole idea that we were saying earlier, like like the like, how is your church impacting the people within the five mile radius of your parish? Um, Well, how do you know what is going to impact them? Like, are you going to send out a survey? (laughs) Like, are you going to like, like, no, like you need to know your neighbors. Like that's, that's it. Like you need to like be in relationship with them to know what they need. And that's the same kind of thing you're saying, Chris, is like, you can't just like invite them to mass, send out a mailer and invite them to mass. Oh, we evangelized. No, that's not how this works. It's, it's relationship. And it is not too late for your parish
0: to get on the phone and call every parishioner and say, Hey, it's been six months. How are you doing in the midst of quarantine? How are you doing in the midst of COVID? What can I pray with you for or pray for you? I can take it and put it on a prayer list. You know, Father's yeah. going to be offering one Mass a Sunday for the needs of our community. I want to get your needs on the list.
1: Yeah. You know? And like, let's say, like, I don't know what the average parish size in the nation is or whatever off the top of my head. But let's say you have a like a parish of 2,000 families. That's like worst case scenario. That's 20 people calling 100 people. That's That's a lot. Over a week, it's not that much. It's twenty a day. Um, it's not that much. That's, but still, you,
0: that's still a lot. If it's it going to be, if it's going to be pastoral response. But over a month, we've had six months now, and the only time people get phone calls from parishes is during capital campaigns.
1: <laughs> yeah, which is stupid.
0: No, it's insane. <laughs> it's insanity. So
1: yes. Yeah. So th- so that you know was one thing, but then the the other thing is like we, we've said the whole thing about inviting people to mass and make sure you have a relationship with them first. But what if there was another place that you could invite them to? Um, this is something that Chris was alluding to is that, like an idea of I've had and, and worked towards for some time is, is having like just a praise and worship like service, if you will, on Wednesday nights. Um, and this is, it, it looks similar to what adoration typically looks like in um, with praise and worship and adoration, like that, but, but without adoration. It's still praise and worship of our God, getting together in community to pray. That is a much easier place to invite someone into. Um, Praise and worship a talk, you know, and then maybe even start small groups from that as well. And so then you you create a separate on-ramp. And so this multi, you know, is multiply, you know, this may be one of those multi-services or whatever that you're able to do throughout the week without detracting from the Eucharist. It's not going to take away from the Eucharist, it can't. That's Jesus. (laughs)
0: And it's multi because there's multiple on ramps. Yeah. If the only way people end up landing in RCIA is because they're engaged to a Catholic, mm. that's not an acceptable on ramp. That's, nope. that's an on ramp. Yes. But if that's the only on ramp, shame on us. Okay. So multi also refers to facilities. And so, fellowship halls, smaller chapels, um, uh, different classrooms, and things like that, they have to become multi venue. What does that mean? Well, you're not using them more than 10% out of the week, especially in the midst of quarantine and some of the slowing down that has taken place. What does it mean now to say our community has these needs, right? What, what, what percentage in demographics around your area, what percentage of them are single moms? And could we find some volunteers to, uh, to allow these single moms to have a night off or a night out or to go to job interviews and things like that, like so that we are watching. And what if we used one of those spaces that doesn't normally get used during the week and use it for a multiple purpose, right? And so we need to look at multiple uses of our facilities as well, especially as things are slowing down. A lot of the facilities at the parishes that I'm familiar with have gone just empty, Like empty for the last six months, and that's a resource that should be available to the community on some level.
1: So the pushback that we will get, you know, on that one, um, is well, every time we let someone else use it, then we have to clean it. Um, Right now, like in the midst of COVID, you know, and so we like like, and I and I know this in other parishes, but um, the youth ministry program that used to be able to use the school. For their ministry events in the evenings or whatever is not allowed to do so anymore because they don't want to cross contaminate um, with different groups of people in that same facility either like and, and either have to clean it or uh, like risk, you know, that whole cross contamination. So the parish had to do some creative thinking, you know, on, OK, well, if we cannot use in that space, then we need to use this space. So. Like, I can see that that being a reason why, well, we're not going to open it up to other people because we don't want to bring in their germs, which like, which I would say the easy solution is, well, then just clean it. Um, really, how much is it? How much does it take? How much is it going to cost to do that? Um, and is it really too much trouble to like have the space available to the community to to the area rather than making it harder to get things done?
0: I'm familiar with facilities the churches have built that have been beautiful and they said, hey, look, we built this amazing thing for the community. And then you go in there and you say, okay, how can I go about utilizing this? Well, you can't. Why? Well, because you're not a registered parishioner. Or, well, because you're going to have food. Or, well, because you can't afford the, the deposit. Or, well, because you want food or drink and we don't allow food or drink on the carpet. Or, well, because they're youth and they might scratch scratch the walls or and, and the, you know put a scuff on the wall. And guess what? The cost of paint is a lot less than the cost of a soul. It's worth it. The cost of replacing the carpet every couple of years because the entire community is gathering is free. You know why? Because if the entire community is gathering, they're also, you're a part of a growing community and people tithe because they follow vision. You see what I'm saying? But these Amen. buildings are sitting there, and they're hoping that they can just rent them out in order to make back their money. But that's not why people gave to the to build the building in the first place. So yep. we need to use our facilities, even if it means we potentially lose our facilities, it is worth the cost. If your facility gets burnt down because you open it up to a thing, granted, we do not want that to happen. <laughs> Believe
1: me. But I think that a beat up and insurance will cover it. As long as nobody gets hurt, that's okay. A
0: beat up gym or a beat up (laughs) schoolroom or a beat up whatever is better than a pristine one
1: because one is lived in. How many people, like whenever you go to visit someone's house and it looks all spick and span and there's not a speck of dust anywhere, like you're like, oh, you know, I wish they didn't feel like they had to do that for me. I wish they could actually like let their house be a mess. Then I would feel like I was closer to them. Like I'm actually welcome into the mess of it. This house looks lived in. Like people live here. Like that's awesome. And then like the same thing goes for our facilities. It like looks super perfect and pristine. Like nobody lives there. Like that looks like a dead parish.
0: And I'm not saying ta- don't take pride in your facility. Absolutely take pride in your facility. But that facility exists for the community if you're truly going to be a parish, right? Yeah, and it needs to be used. Yep. And people, people visit museums twice a year. People don't visit uh, museums every single week. And if you want people to come regularly and you're trying to keep it like a museum, then th- then they're not going to come. That's just a reality. If it starts to feel like they're home, fine. And everyone has rules in the home. Yes, absolutely. Don't use mom's fancy towels unless the guests are here. You know, <laughs> things like that. So, okay.
1: Uh, the way you pronounce words ever so often really like gets me. Like, like the way you pronounce museum. Was it Muse- museum? Museum? M- M- <laughs> go,
0: go ahead and tell me, go Matt. No,
1: like I like I say museum. Museum. No, you're, it's like all all or oil. Oil. <laughs> there you go. You okay. would do. It's like you would say all. <laughs> you're missing a, a syllable there. Museum. I love you, Matt Rice.
0: Number five. Here we go. Staff and leadership uh, realignment will focus more on digital proficiency. So what does this mean? That means that if you have someone on your team that quits, or you can no longer afford them, and you're in a place where you can now hire back, one of the things you should look at is how good is this person at uh, di- with a digital skill set, and how do we bring those dues, those <laughs> digital skill sets got to got your you. museum? I'm throwing you,
1: you off, dude. I'm sorry. You can't even pronounce those now.
0: <laughs> but how do we bring those skill sets onto our team or how do we train our existing team to grow in those skill areas? Because digital proficiency is something that's required in the post-quarantine era.
1: Yeah, that that whole response, oh, I don't know how to do that, you know, is not a response. Like <laughs> as an employee, um, you need to be thinking, how do I learn how to do that? Um, and you know, as a boss or a manager or whatever, you need to be thinking, how can I train, how can I teach them how to do this? Because right. it not happening is not an excuse. It's not possible. And, and it's
0: important to see in this, in this area in particular, it is not an expense. It is an investment yeah. and investing in this area and having better digital outreach will lead to your community being more financially stable. Not to mention more fruitful and effective in building the kingdom, which is more important. But if you're just looking at job security or your your church existing uh, five years from now, these are things that we have to consider. Yep. Young digital natives are people you need to consider as well. People who have always understood the digital era, as opposed to us old fogies over here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and like, how many of them like, um, like, just pull up your parish website and judge you instantaneously? Like and, and like that may be right or wrong, but they look at it and they're like, "Oh crap, this is probably a really old church. I don't know if I want to go to that one. I'm going to go to this other one that looks like they have their stuff together online, um, and so they might actually have some young people there. You know what I mean? They're like I guarantee, I guarantee, like young people look at churches and and shop for churches in that way.
0: Oh, just just know that uh, the, most people are looking up on their phones. And some yeah. of these parish websites were built for browsers. And you got to scroll left and right with your thumb just to finish <laughs> reading something. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And we should be thinking ahead of the curve in regards and the, to And that. they
1: will be looking at like your other accounts as well, like Twitter, Instagram. Like They, they aren't going to be looking at Facebook. I mean, people my age are going to be looking at Facebook. But if you're not active on those things, if you don't have people in, like, in your parish that are actually active and doing things on that, um, they're going to see that. And they're going to see whether your church is alive and active and growing or not.
0: So we are at time. We got about halfway through. We're at number six, and it talks about stragglers. The idea and concept of stragglers is fascinating, and so I want to come back to this, Matt, and uh, and dive into it in one of our future episodes. Thank you so much for joining us today. Let's continue the conversation online.
1: Please send any feedback you guys have to MLA at ablaze.us and share this podcast with everyone.
0: And here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone.
1: And if you want to go far, we go together.
0: So I want you to take some time this week. And actually, I want you to post in our uh, in our Facebook group, Ministry Leaders Anonymous is a closed group. What else you would put in regards to things that are essential in a post-quarantine church? What's a key challenge or a key change that you would see? I want to hear what your thoughts are. Maybe you'll guess one of the last couple uh, that we didn't get to.
1: That'd be fun. We'll see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous.
0: And God bless you.